Welcome to another episode of Chance Time. It's a podcast and we talk about video games. I am the host for this week, Curtis Lowe, and I'm here with Ryan Speakman. Ryan Speakman. And Paula Bills. Ryan Speakman. Nice. That's it. That's everybody. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm great. Also, doing well. Cool. <laughs> Some great energy to start off this episode. All right. <laughs> I'm really feeling it. This is going to be high energy. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. Should we just go into Mike Struckberg's first thing, one thing first? You know it. I don't, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> no, one to no one has some, no one's free, some free one thing real quicks. That's oh, usually a segment we have. Anybody excited about Miss Marvel? New trailer dropped? Yes. And... Anybody excited about Moon Knight coming out to end of this month? Yes. I'm more excited about that one. Yeah. Here's my thing with Miss anybody... Marvel. Okay, I, I'm, I have I'm beef with Miss Marvel. Ooh. I are you mad I... because they've changed her inhuman origin? Not even a little bit. Uh, <laughs> my thing with Miss Marvel is I I don't like when the thing becomes about itself. And that's what Miss Marvel mm. is. Like, I don't love Miss Marvel as like she's obsessed with the Avengers and then she becomes an Avenger. Like they yeah, did it in the Avengers game and it looks like they're doing it in the show. I mean, that's her character. So of course they're doing it. But like I don't I don't know. I don't like when when media starts to be about its own popularity. Um and actually, I read a I read a thing recently. Uh, it was a theory about Star Wars that like George Lucas took like samurai films and pulp films and you know all these influences from his day and made Star Wars. But now people are just making Star Wars, and that's why it doesn't resonate. That was the theory. Mm. So it's. it's, um, it's it's its own inspiration. Yeah, and it so it just becomes like it's it's not drawing from anything anymore. It's like its own just like I don't know. I guess is like navel gazing is that the the term for this when it's like it, it it's just looking at itself as its own like I'm so cool. Anyway, so that energy around Miss Marvel always kind of turns me off and it did for the Avengers game. And it's kind of doing the same thing for this show for me. Um, it. But I do think like the actress they got to be Miss Marvel, like I liked the personality of, of her and of what they're doing with the trailer, like with all the like comic like filters on on top of the show. I don't know if that's going to be in the show or if that's just for the trailer, but like seems like they're like giving a new tone to 
to Marvel shows, like a like a, a different like a teen girl perspective that hasn't really been there before. So I do like that, but I just don't like the whole like you know what's the coolest thing in the world? The Avengers. Welcome to the Avengers. Avengers, Avengers, Avengers. I just don't like that. Yeah. I I don't know. As a basic nerd, I'll take anything the the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe shoves in my mouth, but I it does look more like a, a high school show. Yeah. And so I'm always interested in the fact that they're trying to like kind of put new genres into these movies to make them seem a little bit more fresh. Yeah. Also, um, I I don't know how I feel about her being directly related to Captain Marvel. It kind of seems like she's got similar powers yeah. spawning from a similar source. <clears throat> but I guess it's better than her comic book origin where a big cloud of gas comes by and makes her realize she has superpowers. Um, but also on the Star Wars front, I rec- I've been watching Star Wars Visions. That is what I want Star Wars to be. It is very good. Yeah, it's like each I would skip the band episode. That's my only advice. But each episode is basically just like a different anime artist or animator directing whatever they want with Star Wars. And most of them are just like this person wants to be a Jedi and then they do cool Jedi things. But at the end of each episode, I'm like, man, this is what I wish Star Wars was right now in general. That's honestly what I didn't That's like it. about Rise of Skywalker, because I feel like it was. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, because I personally like Last Jedi quite a bit, mainly because it felt like it was blowing the doors wide open for what could come next in Star Wars. You know, I felt like we we're finally getting away from all the Skywalkers and stuff. And because Ray was a nobody and that, that was fine. It didn't matter. She's just a powerful force user. She could be a great Jedi. Like there are so many possibilities. And then everyone's like, I don't like this. So then they made Rise of Skywalker. That was like, just kidding. She is somebody. It's Palpatine, everybody. Luke Skywalker's still here. Don't worry. Now he's acting like a wise old Jedi and nothing else. And that just made me really sad. And then it felt like it reverted back to original Star Wars, which I didn't want. I, I would love to add to this conversation, but I think we'll be here for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to even say anything about it because I... I'm too afraid of my my own hubris. <laughs> I just I just want new stuff in Star Wars, you know. That's all. New things, new characters, new yeah, stories. Try, new try Star Wars Visions. I that sounds I think intriguing. that's the one thing. Yeah, that, but... like the first season of Mandalorian, I liked. Then I heard what they're doing in the second season. Then I was like, oh, it's the the snake eating its own tail. It's just. We're bringing back everyone else mm-hmm. from the animated shows, and they did it in Boba Fett. Yeah. I have no desire to watch Boba Fett whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, the episode I recommend especially is called The Ninth Jedi. Star Wars Vision, The Ninth Jedi. If you're going to watch one, 
that's the one to watch. So far, at least, I haven't finished it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, welcome to Force Time, the Star Wars podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Force Time. (laughs) All right, well, let's force a segue and go into our first things first by Backstruckenberg one thing first. Uh, That was incredible. Who wants to go first? A million bonus points. Uh, uh, you go first, Curtis. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I know everyone's been dying to hear my opinion on one of the biggest, most anticipated games of 2022, Chocobo GP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone's been dying to hear it. And I'm here to tell you, skip it. Don't play. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 fine it's a fine racing game kind of like mario kart there's some weird things about the gameplay that i'm like why is this like this um the steering when you like just even if you're not drifting when you just steer it feels really floaty and i missed a few turns where i would just like drive into a crystal because it's final fantasy I was just driving to a crystal, and then the crystal blew up. And I went up, and like I got hit by a blue shell in Mario Kart. And I was like, "What? Why did that happen?" It was really weird. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it just it feels floaty. And then another thing, I was playing as like a white mage character, and her special ability. All the I think all the characters have special abilities. I don't know. I've only played one character. My daughter was watching me. This character has pink hair, so I played her <laughs> for my daughter. Anyway. Um, she has like a shield. The famous pink-haired chocobo. Exactly. It's not a chocobo <laughs> though. Anyway, um <clears throat> too confusing for me. Yeah. Uh so you know like the the horn in Mario Kart 8 that you can use so if like the blue shells come oh, and yeah, the yeah, red yeah. shells come and you hit it and it just makes it go away. That's essentially what she has. But the really strange thing about it is you're hold I was holding down A to drive to accelerate whatever. And then it wants me to hit Y to use that ability so i have to completely take my thumb off the gas to hit that button and then go back it's really weird like that alone i was like this is like just really poorly designed why do you want me my thumb should not ever move unless i'm stopping like intentionally stopping anyway um that's just the gameplay if that was it then I'd be like, yeah, you know, if you really want to play it, try it out. There's a free version. You can play some little tournaments online. That's cool. Uh, the problem is, is the microtransactions. And it didn't bug me too much because I was playing the free version of the game. Apparently, it's the same microtransaction experience if you pay $50 for the full game. <laughs> Which is no good. Because it's like in your face That's every so time weird. you boot it up. It's like, oh, here's free currency i don't know what the currency was called you can use to buy the battle pass or whatever the racing pass whatever they call it and get cloud strife i'm like oh and then i looked online you know and someone's like yeah i've played for seven hours and i almost have like the first level i'm like oh my gosh you have to get like level 30 or something (laughs) it was ridiculous i don't remember the exact numbers but yeah so the whole microtransaction thing is not good and it is full on in there in the full game which is bizarre because it's $50. 
So at so this rate, what does buying the game even give you? Uh, you get a story mode. Um, you can play oh, online. Okay. That's not like a structured tournament thing. Um, the light version gets you the first, very, very first race of the story mode, which is so incredibly easy. And this, I don't even think there's power ups in it. Like it's like it teaches you how to drift, and then you race around a circle a couple times essentially, and then it's done. And then it's like get the free whole whole version. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, and then like the tournament mode thing. Um, it was a cool idea. I like the tournament mode idea a lot, but it was the same course. I I got through the first round, and then I got into the second round, and it was the exact same course that I just raced on. And then I lost. Hmm. And I was like, is, what I, is it the same course all the way up? I don't know. I'll never know, because I'm not going to play it again. Yeah, it's... <laughs> at this rate, if you want a kart racer, and you're like, oh, I don't have a kart racer on my Switch... What should I get? Just pay an extra ten bucks and buy Mario Kart. It's such a better game <laughs> <laughs> that it's not even. Close. Did you? Did either of you ever play Sonic All Star Racing's Transform all the Segas in the Sega? No. Oh. I don't think I did. The, I I don't remember the exact name, but there's a lot of words in the title, but. It's essentially just the Sega version of Mario Kart. And honestly, pretty good. I played it for a while back in the day, and I was like pretty surprised of how like how big and like open the the level seemed, but they were still kind of like tight racing experiences. And I don't remember if there was anything that different from Mario Kart, but I think that's what made it pretty good is it yeah. was basically just Mario Kart. Yeah. Well, there's the Sonic All Star Team Racing. Is that what it's called? Yes. Uh, let me too. check. Um, that's definitely what it's my... called. I own it. I've played it. My, my there's kids multiple in the series, though. Well, that's yeah, the, the latest one, one is. The latest, yeah. Uh, yeah, is. I don't remember the order of the words, but the words Sonic, All-Stars, Team, and Team Racing, Racing are all yeah. in there. Yeah, so the one I played was Sonic All-Stars Racing Transformed Collection. Whoa. Was the um, racing transformed or was the collection transformed? I can't remember if you transform during the races or if that was it. Or, the racers but, transformed. <laughs> I can't remember, but <laughs> what I do remember is I have 11.7 hours of playtime, and I last played September 12, 2015. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, wait, so it was sorry. good enough. The one we own is Team Sonic Racing that came out in 2019. Okay. That is actually currently a PS Plus free game of the month. Yeah, that too. Yeah, so yeah, that's the I theme. wonder if that yeah. one... Isn't any good, but the one I played, I played 12 hours of it, so it had some substance to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, and it's yeah. Anyway, it's it's just kind of a bummer because there's some cool ideas in it with like the like the special ability that seems to be in there for each character and whatnot. Like they have some solid ideas, but like overall gameplay is just feels floaty to me. I didn't really like it. The drifting felt off enough, just enough to me. Like, I failed the tutorial, like, five times because for some reason I would 
get into my drift and then it would just stop. I don't know what I was doing wrong, but the drift would just stop. And then the tour, <laughs> and then it'd be like, Oh, try again. Okay. Here's how to ex get your quick boost at the start. I'm like, I already know this. <laughs> like, so I did this dumb tutorial like five times. For some reason, the tutorial or the drift just kept going away. I don't know what I was doing wrong. Cause once I got past it, I never had that problem again. No clue what was going on. Um, so yeah, it's just not polished enough. And then you throw the microtransactions on top of that. If they weren't so aggressive in like the light version, like that's fine. That's, you know, it's free. I can understand that. But the fact that it's, you pay the $50 for the full game and then you're still getting all these market transactions on top of it. It's not worth it. You can get Mario Kart or um, Sonic Team Racing or also Crash Team Racing, the remastered version or whatever, remake. Um, I haven't played the remake, but I remember playing the original a lot on PlayStation. I really like that one a lot. Like, so there's other racers you can be playing besides Chocobo GP. So, <laughs> I mean, this Friday... New levels of Mario Kart come out. Yeah. Yeah, so I it's, I guess Chocobo GP is probably on things besides Switch. It just felt like a good fit on Switch, but also not because Mario Kart exists there. So it's like <laughs> immediately trumped. So sorry, Chocobo GP and all of its fans. I've been calling it Chocobo Gip this whole time. <laughs> also, Chocobaga. one last note. Chocobaga? Um, <laughs> Chocobaga? Chocobaga. Um, the intro music, like it has a little, like, you know, like the cutscene thing when you boot up the game. The music kind of made me laugh because it was like, it's like heavy metal. It's like, what's going on? It was like this, like, heavy guitar going for a while. I was like, what is happening? Because, like, the game is so aggressively cute. Like, it's so adorable, it's almost overwhelming. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's like the super aggressive, hardcore guitar riff. And then suddenly it does the cho Chocobo theme song. <clears throat> um, for, you know, if you know what that is. It, it doesn't jive super well with, like, the heavy metal feel that they were doing. So I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I hit the start button, took me to the main menu, and then it started it started the music over again. Somebody was here listening to the heavy guitar riffs <laughs> from the very beginning. So that was just also weird. That's all. That's not super important, but I just thought it was funny. Sounds great. It sounds right up my alley, musically. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's it for me. Uh, Paul, you want to go next? Yes. Um, you all may recall, I came into possession of 991 items recently, thanks to <laughs> itch.io um, and the bundle for Ukraine. And so I mentioned that I made a list of 70, I think I actually ended up being 71 um, 71 games that I was going to try from that bundle. So I'm here to report as my one thing the next game that, from the bundle that I've tried. Uh, if you're on the Chance Time Discord, you got a bit of my impression already just in the text chat, but 
the game I want to talk about is Sound Dodger Plus. Um, this is a a genre mashup I was not expecting. It is rhythm plus bullet hell. Uh, so literally you play as like a circle that's just like your cursor and then you play a song and the sounds of the song produce projectiles that that go across the playing field some of them kind of follow you some of them just follow a trajectory some of them like replicate themselves as they go across um and so you're just listening to the song and trying to move your cursor around in this circle playing area and you're just trying to not get hit and for all the time the song is playing and you're not getting hit a percentage is going up um, but if you do get hit, it skips forward in the song a little bit um, so that you don't get that percentage counted. And then at the end of the song, you're given a score. That's just the percentage of the time spent playing the playing the song that you were not getting hit. And then it unlocks new songs as you unlock like just more score. But it also has user-generated levels and it has an auto-generate mode, where if you just have MP3s on your computer, you just open that file, and it just auto-generates. Um, it just analyzes the song in you know, some automatic way and generates a level for you based on that song. Um, and yeah, so it's like an interesting mix of like, I'm just chilling here, listening to my music. But also, it's extremely tense because there's so many projectiles flying across the screen, and sometimes it's really hard to to decipher a path fast enough to not get hit. Um, but yeah, an absolute perfect game to discover for you know basically free as part of a ten dollar bundle of nine hundred ninety one things I got. Very pleased with my purchase so far of the Ukraine bundle. Um, so yeah, anyone else who bought that and you're not sure where to start, I, I highly recommend checking out Sound Dodger Plus. There you go. Beautiful. Cool. I heard and you. All right. <laughs> I'm already moving on from it and I'm trying the next game. So next week I'll probably have something else to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I do have a random question though. Uh -huh. how do you get all of these games? To show up in your library without installing all of them. Uh, I don't have them show up in my library. You, yeah, you can't have it show up in your library. You have to click on bundles. Yeah. And then you click on the Ukraine bundle, and then I think you can download them individually. Yeah, but when you download there. it, then it shows up in my library. Yes. Okay. So what's your question? I just want them all in my library, even if I haven't installed them or not. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there's a way to like override that and say, do put them in my library. Because I don't like going to this weird link. Like I'm on, I'm on the desktop app. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't even find the. Oh, yeah. So I just, I, I wrote, like I keep a OneNote note of all the ones I want to play and I just put the link at the top of that so I don't bother with the desktop app or anything I just 
when I'm ready to download the next one, I just find the next name on the list of the games I'm going to play and then click the link and download it. And I just keep it, keep them all in a folder on my desktop or yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't even know there was a desktop app for itch that you can download. Yeah, You can get it through the Epic game store app. Oh, so interesting. An app within an app. Mm. For some app reason. within an app. Uh, yeah. Paul doesn't like that. Yeah, I don't. When when stuff starts referencing itself and things. Exactly, yeah, you got it over this. <laughs> I actually can't find where the. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Ryan. I don't know. It's weird. You're welcome. Okay. We've That's established that itch.io is the Miss Marvel of video games. <laughs> <laughs> well, only itch on the Epic Game Store. Otherwise, it's fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> fair. I do think you can probably get the itch.io app without Epic, but I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, I'm excited to hear more about the stuff that you try because there's so many. Yeah. It's very fun, actually. It feels like like kid in a candy shop. It's like, I don't have to buy any of these. I just own them all. So it's like, let's go shopping. Let's watch some trailers. Yeah, I'll do this one now. <laughs> Great. May I go? <laughs> yes. You may. Oh, you had to think about it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so as you guys know, March October continues, and I have an announcement. I have beaten Horizon Zero Dawn and it's DLC, The Frozen Wilds. Wow. Nice. And you put some time in it. I a did week. it. I did it all on normal mode. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He didn't sacrifice his principles. <laughs> and I want to say I do have some apologies. I think the combat. And boss fights are better than I give it credit the past okay. couple weeks. Um, I will say, I think the shortcoming comes in when you go into how they teach you all this stuff. And I, I feel like going into a open world game, I'm trained to think a variety of weapons is better. Um, and in Horizon Zero Dawn, I started having more fun when I equipped multiple bows and had a variety of different arrows and just kind of ignored uh. the uh, traps and, and things like that, um, which I, I think it, it relies heavily on teaching you about traps in the beginning. And I think there is like some cool, fun things, but I'm not stealthy enough and they always ended up seeing me eventually. Um, but that being said, kind of having different arrows and like using the impact arrows to shoot off parts, um, and then using like my hunter arrows to do some high damage on certain things and kind of learning that different machines destroying different weak points has different effects. I started enjoying it more. 
but I, I think the story is too engaging <laughs> where you also don't, for me personally, I wanted to see what was going to happen next in the main story so badly that I don't think I took time to level up. Oh, uh, interesting. And I think that also kind of soured my experience, but towards the end game, as I kind of delved into like, Oh, I guess I will do some like side stuff. I found that the fights were a lot easier. Um, but I, I kind of feel like when you finish a main quest, it kind of points you to the next main quest. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of feel like it did encourage me to just keep going with the story in a sense. But all that being said, I feel like they wanted me to play a certain way, but I didn't realize that and just kind of played it in my own way. And I, I kind of wish there was more handholding of like, hey, you might not be a high enough level for this. Maybe you do more side stuff or things yeah, of that nature. Um, but that being said, I, I had a really great time with the game. And I think by the time I was finishing up the Frozen Wilds, I was like, okay, I think I'm done and ready to move on to something else. But that last, like there was a bunch of twists towards the end that I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I don't think I'll pick up Forbidden West anytime soon, but I did really, like, I know that eventually I will, because I do want to see where they go with, with the story of this game. So I have a question for you, Ryan. Please. Just talking about how engaging the story is over, like, the open world. Would you want a movie that is just a retelling of the of Horizon Zero Dawn. So it's just the story in a live action movie. Uh, I don't know. I I'm I don't I'm not a director or anything. <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine what that would look like. Mm, and I point. think my, uh, my negative viewpoints about video game movies in general kind of tell me I would rather recommend someone play the game. And I, yeah. I don't know if it's going to get that much bigger of a fan base unless it's really good. I like, maybe someone could do it, but there's a lot of like, walking to meet up with different people but i don't know i i feel like the thing that could sell me on it is the beginning where you're learning how to hunt beasts with your dad and the relationship well, between her and silence oh yeah kind of yeah. dad <laughs> um her her and silence could create a a interesting narrative and then also the world in general and just kind of like the story of like what the old world was like versus what it became and why that happened. Like all of those are interesting things that I think could be condensed in a movie, but I don't have faith in video game movies to think yeah. that they will be able to pull it off. Do you think it would work better as a TV show then? Uh, no, 
I think it would work the same. <laughs> yeah, and then Unless I think they about it. Full episodes where she's running from place to place. <laughs> <laughs> now I think about it. Trying to translate this into a live action anything, it might look like really, really hokey and campy. Like it would be hard. I think it would be hard for the aesthetic to translate well. Yeah, they they would have to put a lot of money into CGI robot dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is um, I saw a lot of stuff after Uncharted hit the theaters. Like a lot of Sony execs kept saying, "Like this is just the beginning for PlayStation Studios." And and so Horizon has to be high on the list for other PlayStation Studios projects. I mean, they're already doing The Last of Us show. So after doing, Uncharted and The Last of Us... They're doing a God of War, too, aren't they? Yeah. I don't remember on if it's Netflix. a show or a movie. I think it's a Netflix um, or Amazon Prime show. Um, I'm Googling real fast. I want to see a um, TV show. God of War TV series adaptation eyed by Prime Video, according to Deadline.com on March 7th. Um, so, yeah, especially after those, like especially after Uncharted, Last of Us, and God of War are already on the table. And Ghost of Tsushima was already, like they're already said a movie is in the works. There has to be talk of a Horizon show or movie as well. And I just wonder if we'll ever see that or if they'll decide this one doesn't translate. This is too much of a video game setting that doesn't work on screen as well. Yeah, because I feel like if you don't get the... Yeah, really, if the CGI looks weird for the robot dinosaurs, it's going to look really weird in general. I mean, you could do some, like, practical effects, like some of the smaller dinosaurs you could actually, like, make. Um, but, yeah, like a thunder jaw, like the big T-Rex one, like, could that be pulled off convincingly? Yeah. You got to nail that, because that would be, like, one of yeah. the big moments. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, I just wonder if, if they'll actually try that, or if... Well, what about this? It'll be left on the table. What about a show... Or a movie where it's just set in the old world, kind of like a the Planet of the Apes prequels they did recently, where oh, like you know yeah. it's coming in the future, but this is kind of like the story of Ted Faro and Elizabeth Sobek yeah. and like trying to save the world. Yeah, they could totally do that. And I think then, I like, feel like that one would work a little better. And the military robots, for some reason, I believe they could do on screen better because yeah. they're more yeah. like traditional movie type yeah. robots <laughs> rather than the dinosaur effect. Yeah. But I, I feel like that would be that would gain it it would gain even less of an audience. Yeah, that would be like for the existing fans. Yeah. Cause like if you saw that movie and you're like, that's a cool story. I want to play the game and then you're like, wait, what's the game? Yeah, <laughs> I guess they spoiled half of the game for me yeah. before I. <laughs> what if you did like a? They should do like a game or a movie where it's following like a soldier that's fighting the robots before everything goes complete. Like before they basically go extinct. So then you're not getting into the nitty gritty of Ted 
Faro, whatever his name was, and Elizabeth and everything. Mm-hmm. And that can be like in the peripheral, you know. And you hear those names yeah. floating around. <clears throat> but it's not like the focus. Yeah. But again, does that get anyone to buy a PlayStation and play Horizon Forbidden West or Zero Dot after that? But I mean, they would, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> It's just so different, you know? And that's kind of the point, is that it's so different from the old world. But, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. It'll be interesting to see if they do anything or if they just kind of leave this one alone. It's just like after the excessive or excess, success of Arcane, where that's like, it's, same, it's the same characters and stuff, but it's a separate story from League of Legends, you know? Like, they almost feel like two different things, even though they're not, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. League of Legends gets away with it easy because it doesn't really have, it has like lore, but it doesn't have a story. Right. So it makes it easy to take some of that lore and then make a story out of it. So I feel like, I don't know, like the last of us show, I think would be more interesting if it wasn't about Joel and Ellie. If it was like different survivors, but it was Mm -hmm. the same outbreak and stuff. That seems more interesting to me. Something like that. So it's like, it's the same world and everything, but it's telling different stories within that world. That's not like, so instead of trying to adapt the video game directly, tell different stories based on that video game, I think sounds more interesting. Similar to how, Willy's Wonderland was a uh, an homage to Five Nights at Freddy's rather than actually using the Five Nights at Freddy's characters. I do want to do a mo- or an episode now where we just pitch TV or TV shows or movies based on video games. I'll tell you what, the pitch that has me most excited is Chris Pratt as Mario. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Or it won't. We don't know. We do know he's so cool. If it's just mediocre, like no, he's so cool. If it's not like so bad, it's good. Or if it's not good, I'm gonna be really disappointed. If it's just like it's a Mario movie and it's like, eh, it's fine. I'm gonna be. That's gonna be the most disappointing outcome to me. That's all. Yeah, I'm very, very intrigued. But yes. I did it. Thank you. I just downloaded uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy. Oh, right. God, that was nice. My PS5. I'm close to beating Arceus. And I also have Kena Bridge of Spirits downloaded to my PS5, which... Oh, ambitious. I would like to get to eventually, but we all know that Kirby comes out in a week and a half, so we'll see what happens with that. Done. Oh, I do want to just throw in, I forgot to mention this, I beat um, what's it called? Slay the Spire with the last character I was missing. Oh, you did it! Like the, like that night or the following day, I did it. <laughs> so, yeah. Congrats. So. I'm telling myself I need to be done with that game because I have other games on my Switch I need to play. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> Ryan, I might... I'm starting to think that I should just join you on Backlog Month. Uh, it's called March Logtober. March Logtober. Sorry. 
just because uh, I mean, it has been Elden Ring for forever, so I don't need to buy any new games anyway. Yeah, it's it's been kind of nice just knowing it's it's been really hard for me uh, to not play the game Tunic, which just came out today. Yeah, because I really, really want to buy it, but I I have to. I have to make my money worth what I've bought. Uh, no, just wait for a previously. switch port. Wait for a switch port, and then you have all this time. I, I'm an an indie man on Steam. I'm sorry, Curtis. I'm just trying to give you an excuse. I'm trying to help you. That's all. <laughs> I think I'll wait, wait for, for a, for a sale. sale. There you go. Yeah, that, that's the one. Or I won't, and I'll just wait till I play more games that I've already bought. Right. <laughs> that's fair too. <laughs> Cool. Well, now that we are 40 minutes into the episode, let's get to our topic. That's that's the rules in Mark Struckerberg's one things first things exactly. first. Exactly. It's not 40 minutes, it's a waste of time. It is one thing, but also a <laughs> long thing. Anyway, <laughs> today... I don't know if you guys have seen this conversation crop up. I feel like it's died down now, so, you know, we're not on top of things. But um, <laughs> with every From Software game that comes out, this conversation comes up again and again and again. And it will never die. Just like the characters in From Software games, whether it be tarnished or hollowed. And that conversation is, does it need an easy mode? That's always the question. Have you guys seen people talking about this? Constantly for the last several years. We got we got two of them this year because I feel like people were also talking about it with Sifu. Yes. That's also a hard and game. Sifu so caved. Really, did they? I didn't know that. Yeah, they are going to release difficulty settings. Nice. They said it will be similar to Metroid Dread, where there's a harder and an easier that's funny because Metroid Dredge is like, okay, if you get hit once, you're dead. That's the hard mode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> yeah, this conversation always pops up. So the first question, though, is should all games have difficulty options? Is that a question you're posing to us right now? Yes. <laughs> Should um, all games have difficulty options? So I feel like there's a camp where it says every game should have difficulty options. I am going to say no, just off the top of the dome. <laughs> um, and not to get into what we'll be talking about later, but you did send us an article with the title that accessibility isn't necessarily easy. Um, and so I feel like the point of, like, uh, it's hard to get into this because I, I feel like From Software has pretty much been, they have their foot down that this is what the game is. Like, they have created an experience where they want you to feel like things are difficult. Um, 
And that's part of like the experience they're creating. Um, but I, I feel like that kind of does make more sense with previous from, from soft games. Uh, sorry, from software games. Uh, because there is story and there is lore, but it's not as in your face. Mm-hmm. Whereas Elden Ring kind of has changed things where there is a story that people kind of might get more engaged with. And so there might be people who are like, I want to play this because the story looks cool. And then they never learn any more of the story because there's such a high difficulty spike. And obviously I've never played Elden Ring, so I don't know if that's actually the case, but I feel like the story feels pretty on par <laughs> with other FromSoft games. Uh, okay. Well it is a, here's a cool opening cutscene to explain some things and then you're just there. Yeah, fair. Like, oh okay. Um, well then maybe not. But I, I do feel like with something like Horizon Zero Dawn that is like they're telling a story. That's the purpose of that game. I feel like it makes more sense to have the easy mode or the story mode because that's what most people are playing it for anyways. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think to to go but to answer the original question, should every game have difficulty settings? I I also would say no to that like blanket statement. Mm-hmm. Um this question reminds me of I don't even remember I I don't think I could ever find this again, but at some point I watched some comedian talk about video games and his whole joke was like no other medium demands you learn a skill to access its art. <laughs> like his point was like, imagine if you're reading a book and you turn the page and it, it goes blank and it says properly identify the theme to continue reading. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess that's kind of where the heart of this debate is, is it's like, are games a skill or are games in uh, communication? And if games are communication, you should make it as um, accessible and easy and inviting as possible to communicate your ideas to as many people as possible. But if games are skill, then you should allow the player the the experience of of growth and eventual triumph. And and there is a there's an inherent tension there that that this debate brings up. Um, I want to read a a tweet that I just happened upon today from Jim Stormdancer, 
who, if you don't know, is the creator of Frog Fractions, mm -hmm. which, if you don't know what that is, have fun on Google. <laughs> um, wait, wait, real quick before you read about yeah. this, was the comedian Billy Crystal? I don't think so. Okay. It was not someone I had seen before, and I don't think I've seen them since. Okay, I, that was actually a joke. <laughs> Billy Crystal seemed like the least likely person for me. <laughs> I thought you actually had heard something about Billy Crystal that was along those lines. Uh, anyway, so Jim Stormdancer's tweet, he says, talking to a friend about Elden Ring, he says it's the most accessible Souls-like yet. He also says he spent five hours learning the Margit fight. That's the sort of effort I'd expect to put into a real-life skill like woodworking or piano. Have Souls fans tried learning piano? Hmm. And then he did, he did follow that up with, on reread, this sounds a lot more aggressive than I intended. Obviously, do the hobbies you enjoy, but also, seems like you're pretty good at spending patient effort to improve yourself at a skill. You should try applying that to a variety of skills if you haven't yet. And... And so, so then, yeah, like sorry, he immediately made it just as aggressive as it sounded before. <laughs> <laughs> Apology. Well, I think maybe his he should point... go outside and do something else. <laughs> I think his point is like tried touching grass for five hours. <laughs> yeah, his his point is is not that like it's bad to play Souls games. I think he, that's all he's trying to correct. Like it's not bad to work hard at a video game, but if you think I am a gamer. And I don't do these other things, but you were interested in them. You know, maybe go try it again yeah. <laughs> if you've learned to be this patient and persistent. Um. Anyway, so like, I guess there's that meme of you have not you've cheated not only the game but yourself. You know that whole thing. Yeah. Like that's the philosophy that the anti-difficulty setting camp is espousing. You know, that they're like, this is a skill. And if you take the skill away, you take the joy away. Um, and I think the other camp is generally, this is communicating something. And why would you gate that communication from any particular group you know if you want to communicate something you need to communicate you should want to communicate it to the widest possible audience and see but the thing is like these are such different things and it's so weird that one medium is both of these things mm -hmm. and so like it's i don't think this debate can be resolved i think we just need to learn how to better communicate what's happening <laughs> like or like what the intent is i don't know um i guess i will say accessibility is is different than difficulty as the ign article that we keep alluding to before yeah i'll put it in the <laughs> before show we're officially so that... talking about it yeah um i mean that that's a, it's an important thing it's not just difficulty accessibility is also like letting letting people even if it is about skill, you need to make sure you give the chance for everyone to develop that skill. Um, which is different than just difficulty, you know? 
you need to provide a path for everyone to learn the skill if it is about learning the skill. Um, But it's also in the end, like, creators have to create what they feel they need to create and players need to play what what they want to play. I guess where the problem is is when we we blend the communication and the skill in a way that like people are like I want to see this story but the only way is to develop the skill and that's where the frustration comes from. So there you go. I've tried to identify the problem, but I have done nothing to resolve it. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Well, you guys have kind of changed my mind because part of me was saying that, yes, all games maybe should have a difficulty option of some kind. But I don't know. Paul, you were talking about how like the skill versus a communication thing, you know? Like, uh-huh. I think another thing that the anti-difficulty squad argues is that, like, putting the work in to learn the skill to overcome a hard boss is the point of the game. So that's almost like what the game's trying to communicate to you. And I think that could be argued mm. for FromSoft games, yeah. especially, where, like, the lore and everything. The lore is that there's a story to the game. It's there, but the point is fighting really hard things and winning. <laughs> even though it doesn't feel like you can and getting that satisfaction out of it. So if you have a difficulty slider or options or like, Oh, okay. Put it on easy mode. Um, I guess you're, I don't don't know if I say that I'm going to sound like I'm agreeing with the, you've cheated yourself guy, but that does kind of take away from, I guess the artistic intent of that game. But, I don't know, this article, again, um, kind of alludes to the, or like, talks about the idea that difficulty options don't, aren't just, it shouldn't just be an easy, normal, or hard mode, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to get away from Elden Ring and stuff eventually, but, um, like, Elden Ring... And one of the reasons why people are calling it the most accessible FromSoft game yet is because um, there's a lot of different well, options that you can do to make the game easier on yourself. Um, you, it makes it a lot more enjoyable to go out and grind and level up and become stronger, like get your character stronger. So it's makes that directly makes bosses easier um, because you can just go off and do something different if you're having trouble in one area. You know, you don't have to sit there and try it over and over and over again. You can go do something else and then come back when you have better weapons or whatever. Um, also, there's more summons in this game. Um, before, like Dark Souls and stuff and Bloodborne, you could you could summon like an NPC or another player um, to fight bosses with you. Um, in this one, you can do that. You can also summon other players in specific areas that aren't technically bosses, so they can help you in like actual dungeons too, leading up to the boss, which is cool. Um, the other thing that's really cool is they—it's basically it's almost like Pokemon. You can summon other creatures too if you have the right spell or whatever. Um, for example, I have a jellyfish that I can summon, 
and the jellyfish legit helped me get past one of the bosses that I was having a hard time with. Um, and then you have all your ranged attacks. You can do spells and magic and bows and arrows and crossbows and stuff. So there's options in there that make it so you don't have to just run up to a boss and dodge all of their attacks because that's hard. Like that makes it way harder than it needs to be. You can get a shield too that has, you know, good stats so you can just block all the attacks and then hit them back. There's lots of different ways to play these FromSoft games. I think part of the problem that people have with them is those options, those different um, yeah, ways to play aren't always very apparent. And it's it can be hard to see those options, you know? I think that's part of the problem. Like, for example, to summon another player, you have to get a craft, you have to get the crafting kit, which is something you have to buy from a merchant. And then you have to have the right materials to create a specific item that allows you to see the summoning signs of other players. That's something that's kind of like, that's a little too much. Like you can make that a little simpler, you know? Yeah. And I guess like if you take the, the skill metaphor, like if it is about skill, any skill worth learning, there's people out there who have tried really hard to make it as easy to learn as possible. Yeah. And there is this weird thing that games do where there's like, there's a specific skill that you need to learn or specific things that you need to learn. But in the name of hand wavy gameplay, I'm not actually going to tell you what -hmm. you need to do. And, and that does super frustrate me in any game where it's like, there is some way to do this, but there's no way. There's no clear way to discover how to do it other than try a bunch of stuff. Or, like, it's easily missable if I don't talk to this one person. Yeah. That, I think, is misbalanced a lot. Where it's like, oh, but it's up to you to discover. And it's like, you're defining the parameters of how I discover it. So, I'm not really discovering it. You're just hiding it from me. Mm-hmm. And that, and so that almost feels, that often feels, like, antagonistic. Like, you're just being mean to me. You're just, like holding the book behind your back that would teach me the skill and it's like just give it to me yeah yeah. (laughs) like the skill is going to be hard to learn anyway i i want that challenge but i don't want to do your song and dance just to try to learn the skill Uh, and that is for me an area that i think games should get away from Mm -hmm. like it should be clearly stated here's the challenge ahead of you good luck instead of like I don't know, just go see. And it's like, okay, come on. <laughs> but I I would argue as well, a game I just talked about that I think is less antagonistic, but kind of soured my experience at first. Maybe half of the time was Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. Where I didn't really know the best way to play, but I think my best way to play might be different than someone else's best way to play. Mm-hmm. And they did give you all those options. It just took me a lot longer to figure out which options was the best for me. And luckily there was a good right. enough story 
that kept me playing long enough to figure out what the best option was for me. But then I also like remember going into the menu recently and looking at my side quests and seeing a tutorial quest thing and seeing I had like 20 untouched tutorial quests. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, would this have helped me? It just seems like such a chore to do so many tutorials though. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, I was going to say big games are a real struggle to to meet that balance because there's so much to teach you. So if it is trying to be upfront, it's boring. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's another thing to balance is how do you keep it engaging when it has literally hours of instruction to give you of how to even engage with it? How does it not do that in a boring way? And what and there's a good argument to say don't explain it. Letting people discover it is fun. But I don't know. It's really hard it, to balance. And I guess it also could pigeonhole a lot of stuff. Yeah. Where you like it could make a lot of people drop off early on because they don't want to put that time in. Yeah. Which is exactly what the Souls games do. You know, mm-hmm. they take the philosophy of it's more fun to figure it out yourself. To an extreme, you know, and everyone jokes about how like like there was that meme going around of if Ubisoft had um, yeah. designed Elden Ring and there was all this UI everywhere and it is kind of opposite extremes. Um, but yeah, Ubisoft is trying really hard. That's like, we want you to understand what, where the challenge is and what we're asking you to do almost to uh, a poor extreme versus the extreme of um, from software of telling you nothing and there are definitely people who fall in both camps of of how much or how little you should be given. And I think, for me personally, it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like tell me and then go away and let me do it. Don't constantly and always tell me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess as we get into this, I am now understanding more like why there's no easy answers to this because there's so many different factors to balance and different developers just pick different ways to balance it yeah and um another thing about like some of the like rpgs especially um there's so many different routes that like it almost becomes less about skill and more about just problem solving you know Mm -hmm. because i feel like a lot of times like I had, I remember doing this too in Dark Souls and stuff where I'd get stuck on a boss and just try over and over and over again doing the exact same thing and not having any success until I was finally like, I should probably try something different. And I would change my armor set or whatever, you know, like even changes like that. And then suddenly I remember this playing uh, the first Dark Souls. It was the Ornstein and Smaug. I don't know how to say that guy's uh, name. That fight though which is like one of the hardest boss fights in that game. <clears throat> and I was having just the worst time because I could not dodge anything and I just kept getting wrecked until I finally realized that the armor I had on was uh, it was too heavy. And if you have too much uh, weight that you're carrying, your roll actually gets slower and clunkier, which I guess makes sense in theory because your armor is big and heavy, so you can't roll as well. So then I changed my armor and then suddenly I was a lot faster and then I was able to w- beat the boss. But like 
the problem with that is especially in that dark souls like in that game it doesn't really explain that at all <laughs> it's just yeah, something I... I like kind of chanced upon is like oh wait a minute so that's kind of the problem that like it has all of these systems that you can interact with to solve problems in diverse ways but it doesn't always do a good job of telling you what options you have even explaining uh like yeah like you're uh i forget what the weight the weight the term for that is but like you carry weight whatever how it's going to affect your dodge roll like it doesn't really explain that you kind of have to figure it out yourself and that's kind of annoying yeah and when i was playing demon souls had the same exact problem didn't know i needed less weight and our friend wes he like watched me play for a little bit and that was the first thing he told me he was like you actually don't need that much armor and th that was more helpful to me <laughs> yeah than learning it is just someone directly telling me yeah <laughs> but there is a fun to be had where i i played like a good like 10 or 12 hours of demon souls and could not beat the third boss and I would like to try again. Um, and the third boss isn't even one of the harder ones, but I just did it over and over and just kind of fell off. But there like there was fun to be had in my research of like, OK, I'm not beating this boss. Let me look up. Like the wiki is almost its own game where you're like <laughs> and it, a similar thing with Binding of Isaac, which I wouldn't say is the hardest game, but it's it's not like super easy, but it gets way easier the more knowledge you have about it. And the more you know, like, oh, I shouldn't pick this up or I should pick this up or this is a good chance to use you, this. Right. Like you pick up an item yeah. and then he just holds it up and then that's it. It doesn't tell you, oh, you get this it, stat it, or anything. It gives you a brief description, but the description is not always helpful, yes. Yeah, I remember, um, yeah, that's what it was. I remember, like, that's really vague. I don't know if I actually want this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, for me, that was part of the fun of, like, getting something and then my whole run changing and being like, oh, this is, I'm so powerful, this feels great. And then eventually when I played it more, I started looking things up and then, the strategy started to become more fun when I had more knowledge of what things were happening. And that was satisfying. Um, and I think it's very similar with from soft games, but I don't know. I feel like I'm just repeating what has already been said. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, knowledge is power. Yeah. And I guess the, kind of cap things off too it also feels weird to be like from software needs to put an easy mode in their games so everyone can play it and like i get the sentimentality of that you know like everyone should have an opportunity to play it but at the same time that can be kind of like changing what from software is trying to create in the first place so i can like i don't know paul said this is <laughs> i think we have identified the problem but I don't think there is a really, there's not a solution, you know? Yeah. I guess one thing I'm thinking about is like, could from software do a better job of 
of somehow telling you up front. I don't know if they do this or not. Is there any like disclaimer in the beginning? Like this is meant to be a very difficult experience. Keep trying. You can do it. Like, does it? Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. Like how, I guess that's my question. How do you communicate what kind of experience you're trying to give people? Maybe that would help if it was like, okay, this is going to be really hard. Yeah, Just keep so trying. There's, <laughs> there's two examples I can think of that, like, Elden Ring's one of them. The other one's Celeste. Elden Ring doesn't tell you that just straight away. Like, there's no text box or anything. or no, It doesn't right. show you. The first time you boot it up, it doesn't tell you this. This is how this game's supposed to function. But what it does do is when you start the game, you create your character, you get going, and you immediately fight a boss, and it just wrecks you. Like, <laughs> you don't stand a chance. <laughs> And that's what's supposed to happen, you know? And then the game starts after that, really. <clears throat> and I think the idea is that it's telling you there's going to be some really hard fights in this game, and dying is just part of the experience, and you're supposed to learn from it. Like, you know, it's supposed to teach you that sentimentality from being like, okay, here you go, and then you just immediately get destroyed. I think that's what that's trying to tell you. Um, and then there's the other game, Celeste. If I remember correctly... Um, I do remember for sure that it has a lot of cool um, difficulty options. That's not just like easy, medium, hard, whatever, um, mm-hmm. or normal. Um, it'll be like, here's infinite dashes, or here's, um, I don't remember all of the, the options Yeah, I think there's, there's have, one that like kind of highlights a path for you to yeah. let you know where you're supposed to go or something yeah, like that. I think there's like infinite climbing because um, in that game, normally when you're climbing up a wall or whatever, you'll run it. Madeline, is that her name? She'll get tired and then yeah. slip and fall. Whereas you can turn that off, so then she can just hang on there indefinitely. Um, but if I remember right, when you go into that menu, it says like um, the default settings or the way Celeste was meant to be played, and we designed it to be a difficult game. But here are the options if you want to play around with it. Play how you want, I think is basically what it says. So you have like uh-huh. both like ends of the spectrum there where Elden Ring's trying to teach you through the gameplay how the game is going to be whereas Celeste if you go into the difficulty options it just tells you with text you know I yeah. don't know which is better It's fun to be like to have a game that just teaches you things without shoving text boxes in your face Yeah but if yeah, that I doesn't land that. right yeah. If it doesn't land right, suddenly it's really obnoxious that you can't figure out what to do or how it works. Yeah. And I always hate when I'm in an ambiguous spot in a game where it's like, am I not meant to be able to beat this? Yeah. Or am I am I just not good enough? Mm-hmm. When that's clear, that can be very, very frustrating. Where it's like, no matter how hard you try, you'll never beat this because you don't have whatever weapon or... You're just not leveled up enough. You can't do enough damage. So when that's like not clear, that can really, really suck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a lot of people would say that's another thing you're supposed to like figure out on your own. But I've been I've played several games where I'm like, it's also like for traversal a lot of times where it's like, is there a way that I could just figure out a jump sequence to get to that spot? Or am I going to find out in two hours that I'm going to get a spell that just builds a bridge and I'll just walk right to it? Mm -hmm. Um, 
those spots are very frustrating for me um, when I don't know if I'm just supposed to get good or if I'm supposed to leave <laughs> and go do something else. Yeah. And I, when games accurately communicate that, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Like Horizon Forbidden West has a few spots where Aloy will just say out loud, like, oh, I, I, I can't hold my breath that long. So I, I, I shouldn't dive down here. And you can still try if you want, but like where it just tells you outright that I will come back to this later. Um, I really appreciate that because I hate, I hate wasting time. Like I am fine learning slowly and trying again and again, but I need to be confident that there is something to learn and I'm not just banging my head against an impossible wall. Mm-hmm. And games are not always good at communicating when it's the former versus the latter. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm I swear I'm not gonna just talk about Elden Ring this whole time. But um, <laughs> yeah, because like, okay, yeah, I'll, you I'll are. use <laughs> I'll use a different example. Um, Super Mario 3D World. If you die enough times on a level, they'll be like. Hey, here's an item that's just going to make you invincible, so you can this essentially is, just right. walk through the level. This is actually what I wanted to bring up next. Oh, okay. <laughs> Examples of things that I think are bad versions of accessibility. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of new Nintendo games do this thing, but yeah, keep keep explaining it. It will frustrate me, but keep going. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, like that that, that is frustrating because. That's essentially telling you, hey, you're not really good enough to do this, so here's an easy way out. And that doesn't feel good. It's it's also a lot of times after dying like five times in a row. Yeah, it's not even that many times. On a part that's designed to be hard. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's like... Well, as a parent, those are a godsend because that means my kid gets to keep playing the game and I don't have to stop doing what I'm doing. Mm to figure out the hard level for them. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's it can be implemented better. I think it should have you should have an option to turn it off. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it should even if you're a child, I think it should be after more than 5 times. Right. Yeah, I agree. But like I'm Maybe thinking cool you could oh. set the number of times. Yeah. Mm, yeah or if you could cool. like when you're respawning, you could like press a button to be like, "Give me the, the mercy or something." I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mercy. Because yeah. I'm trying to think how. I mean, obviously, like Elden Ring, this would never happen where you die to a boss five times, and it's like, "Hey, here's an item, so you don't take damage." Like <laughs> that's obviously not going <laughs> to happen. But like, like I've already said. The cool thing about Elden Ring is if you get stuck on a boss, you can just leave and go somewhere else, find other cool things to do while getting stronger. Like, that's so good. That's such good design in that game that makes it way easier to just enjoy the difficulty. Is that a weird sentence? Easy yeah. to enjoy the difficulty? Um, um, but there was, a, there was a reply, just real quick. There was a reply uh, on that tweet I read earlier where someone said, I found an Elden Ring when a boss is too hard. I just go do something else for a few hours and then come back and the boss is easier. You can't do that with piano. And the guy actually replied and said, good counterpoint. 
it's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point um yeah but but yeah like i'm just trying to think of a way that elden ring could point out hey like this boss is kicking your butt maybe go do something else um because in my head it was like a pop-up like you get just a window of text or whatever saying if you're having trouble with the boss you can go try to do something else or whatever which wouldn't feel that great um yeah <clears throat> but they already have done one cool thing in this game where i don't remember her name but the maiden um i don't know if you've heard the jokes about being maiden maidenless in elden ring anyway once you die if no that's not when you die a few times it's when you rest at like three sites of grace i think or something like that a maiden actually like she comes and talks to you and like offers her help and so then you can finally level up and stuff um but she would be a good way to like so if you die from a boss for the 10th time or whatever and then you instead of just respawning you at the site of grace that you rested at um you could have a quick cutscene where your character's there and she comes and's like hey like there's other ways to do whatever and then she could explain it in elden ring terms you know so it fits the game world it's all feels organic in the game so i feel like there's ways to do those kinds of things and that would fit that, really well in elden ring i think i do want to say elden ring seems to have implemented accessibility in the sense that you can do other things if you're having trouble yeah i just with think a boss that it should be more apparent Mm, yeah because i could see some people getting to a boss um they've put in uh what do they call them i don't remember but there's like sparkling gold kind of flying through the air from certain checkpoints that kind of tell you where to go so it's basically basically highlighting the critical path through the main quest essentially um but it's just kind of there think of like the arrows you can put on the ground in mario odyssey I forget what mode that is that they had, but like way less obnoxious. <laughs> um, I completely forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah. So people might see those and be like, that's the way I'm supposed to go. They hit a wall and then they're like, I got to get past this wall and they don't leave, you know, like I could see some people doing that because yeah. they want to beat the boss. Like that's fair. So I think just, an in-game explanation of why you should maybe go try something else and explore a little bit would be a good idea. That's the cool thing about games. Like they have ways that they can get around these problems, you know? There are also so many games that you could probably find what you're looking for. If another one is, is too hard. Like but maybe that's entirely different like game. It, yeah, like if they were like, I Elden Ring is too hard. I wish I could play something like it that's easier. Like I'm sure that they yeah. could find something that is closer to what they're they're looking for. But maybe that's too extreme. I don't know. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you guys about some other attempts to make games uh, more quote unquote accessible. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of rewind mode that they add to a lot of like retro game collections? Anyone? Uh, I love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
because again if it's about the test of skill i'm happy to learn the skill but don't you know don't make me run a lap to get back to the piano to try to play the song again let me just try to play the song again and i feel like a lot of games it's like you have to run the lap to get back to the piano and then when as soon as you make one mistake you have to run a lap again and it's like you and i both know i can run a lap let me try the part that i can't do yet <laughs> um which is actually as i've said before it was my biggest problem with hollow knight was how much work you had to do to get back to the part that i was trying to learn when it's like you know i can do it and i know i know i can do it and i'm just bored re-going through this whole level to get back to this boss just to get killed in one second uh yeah because i think it's fair that the developer wouldn't want to be like okay you can just like rewind at any time including boss uh, fights you know yeah like that would make it too easy like that would just yeah i guess rewind is a little excessive in some cases yeah but like put the spawn point after you die make sure you just spawn right in front of the boss so you don't have to do the whole where's my dog barking um so you don't have to do that all (laughs) over again so this is an honest question it might sound dumb to me rewind mode uh makes me wonder is there a point like why why wouldn't someone just watch someone play the game on youtube and then feel just as satisfied (laughs) like i i i do feel like rewind is a bit excessive and to that same point, save states. But I do think rewind mode and save states have more of a place in like for video game historians or like preserving like history type of stuff where like mm-hmm. similar to how Nintendo has released in the uh, Nintendo Service Online versions of games such as Metroid where you can just start on the mother brain fight and you can kind of just play that, that moment that kind of carries throughout each Metroid game and see the end. And then like a history standpoint, it's cool that you can see that fight and get the context for what's referenced in other Metroid games. But as a gameplay standpoint, it's not as exciting to me. And so, like, I, I do kind of get the place of rewind mode and save states, but I also feel like if I wanted to play a game with those modes, I would probably just rather watch someone play the game and I kind of would get the same satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends on how you use it. Yeah, that's true. That ends up just putting it because I've talked about how Earthbound, the ending in that game, was like one of my favorite endings. Mm-hmm. I played that whole game with save states, and there's a few parts, like especially the end, where I wouldn't do it like in fights, but I would be like, okay, I know this hard fight's coming up, so I'm going to save state. So then I don't have to do like the 
because it was like a gauntlet, you know. Yeah. And it was to the point I was like, this is just kind of annoying. <clears throat> so that's how I did beat that game. So I think save states are really cool, and I think why they're so prominent in a lot of older games is because the kind of game philosophy or design that um, checkpoints should be a little more abundant so people don't have to try one hard thing over and over and over again just to get another hard thing and then get put back three hard things back <laughs> if that makes sense but they have to <laughs> yeah. do it all over again you know like games weren't designed that way back then for the most part you know so it makes sense to have save states like that so you can just set it to where you're comfortable yeah i would make the argument though that the difficulty of archaic video game design is what has inspired things like Elden Ring. Yeah. Um, but I think like Elden Ring has most of the bosses, like the spawn point is just right outside the door. So you can just walk up and try again, you know? Uh, bad example then. Has inspired but other games it's, it's like... That way all the time. Dark Souls has the same thing, kind of like when Paul's talking about Hollow Knight, you know? I remember mm -hmm. like the gargoyles on the bell tower in the first Dark Souls you have to you wake up at the bonfire and then there's all these guys you have to fight through to climb back to the top of the bell tower to fight him again. You have to do that every time. <laughs> it's really annoying. So that's I, not great. I will also say in accessibility's favor, if a game has a rewind mode, I just don't use it and I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> and most people if they're fine with using the rewind mode, it's not going to make me think any less of them. And like, maybe they do have a reason for wanting to experience DuckTales in the Disney afternoon collection and just see what it was like and have the tactile feeling of pressing buttons to Pogo as Scrooge McDuck. But so that is, I feel like if a from software game did have an easy mode, I don't think anyone would have the right to be mad about it because they could just keep it in normal mode. Yeah, exactly. That's Which... where you would be wrong. <laughs> people true. would people. I've already seen this debate happening a lot that just the presence of an easy mode compromises yada, yada, yada. There are people who think that. Here's my solution to this. Uh, either have separate achievements for beating something on easy mode or don't allow people to get the achievements unless they beat it on the normal difficulty or higher. Yeah. Which I, I don't know, maybe that would make people mad wanting an achievement, but I yeah, feel like that used to be more the philosophy of achievements and they've gone away from that difficulty based yeah. achievements are, are kind of out of out of the trend now. But I I don't think there'd be anything wrong with removing difficulty based achievements but having them not pop if you're playing on like story mode. Right. Yeah. But maybe I don't know, maybe people would be mad about that. It's too hard to figure out because people are mad about everything. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there's that too. Yeah, because, <laughs> I don't know, because I understand, like, 
the mere presence of an easy mode in Elden Ring is it going to ruin Elden Ring if you don't want to play in an easy mode? That's fine. But also, part of the, you know, you're supposed to, like, summon other people to help you. Like, it's supposed to be kind of a cooperative game. Like, that multiplayer element's supposed to be there. So, like, using an easy mode is kind of feel like, it feels like saying no to the summoning and stuff, kind of. Mm. But maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The other I thing mean, is that it's an online multiplayer game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really, like, Elden Ring gives you tools to help make your time easier. Um, it's just not labeled as easy mode. Apparently, there's some people who get frustrated when they find out that players are summoning whether it be other players or like the and the monsters or whatever for boss fights apparently that makes people mad for some reason even though it's in the game like meant to be used that's a different thing that's just gatekeeping yeah. those people are dumb that's all <laughs> i've seen i've seen similar things for people who do like magic focus builds they're yeah. like you're not really beating the boss but you are because it's a tool <laughs> in the game that's there for you to use so if you use it that's for you to use whatever but that yeah, it's a different thing. Um, so, see. I do kind of want to move away from the difficulty thing though, because I also think the whole just in general uh, accessibility options is interesting beyond just difficulty options. You know, um, so like, what are some of your favorite or like must-have options or accessibilities in a game? like me for one subtitles i have i play with subtitles on all the time every time i leave subtitles on if it's the default and i will say 95 percent of the time it's the default mm -hmm. but i don't think it should be the default my personal opinion yeah. i always go and check <laughs> yeah <laughs> And if it's not on, I turn it on. Yeah, I don't I don't really think I look too much into the accessibility options when I'm playing a game. Unless you count when I'm playing a game and they're like, scroll the marker so you can't see this symbol. And yeah. I always Yeah. Yeah, I always make it brighter than I'm supposed to because if I do what they tell me, I can't see half the stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like when my computer was more up to date, is it bad? Do people get mad when you call a PC a computer? I don't think I don't so. Think so. <laughs> I mean, it's a computer, right? Doesn't it PC my... stand for personal computer? Yeah. But maybe they get mad that I don't think it's personal. <laughs> um, when my PC computer was more up to date, I think I did fiddle around with the graphics quality stuff more often. But that doesn't really count as accessibility either, really, right? Yeah. Um. And so I don't really think I do look at too much. I, I think it's good to allow more people to play games if they've got like certain 
disabilities or like have harder times with things. But I personally don't really look in it into it too much. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm not super qualified to talk on this subject. But I will say one thing that I need in a game for my life situation is the ability to pause. Mm-hmm. And agreed. Uh, you know, just being a dad, you sometimes need to very quickly just get away, you know, just leave the game. And this is another Elden Ring debate and from software debate that they don't truly pause. Um, but I mean, that's a, a tiny thing. Um, but just for my life situation. And so from that, I can imagine that there's other things that, you know, make games really hard to play for certain people. And I do respect and appreciate that there seems to be a lot happening in this space. Yeah, um, games have gotten a lot better about this kind of yeah. stuff. You know, from colorblind mode to high contrast mode to a lot of games do like visualize sound effects um, if you want that. And like adjusting text size. Um, text speed. I always put the text speed on like high. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like games are getting at least they're they're putting in a lot more ideas into this. Yeah. Um it seems like better. Quick time events is another one. I noticed that on Spider Man. Like the parts where you're stopping a car that's a runaway car or whatever, you know, and then you have to like mm-hmm. tap X and smash the button. Yeah. yeah. Um <clears throat> I'm pretty sure you can change that so it's like a single press, so you just push it down and hold it instead of mashing the button which yeah i i, I never see... thought about but like i was like uh, some people probably like physically can't do that yeah like i actually hate doing those <laughs> like, yeah like the first time i did it i'm like oh this is kind of but... fun the first few times I was like oh, yeah, yeah cool and then like when i like didn't mash it fast enough and then he got hurt because he couldn't catch the car i'm like what like like <laughs> yeah like that seems weird that like I suddenly can't do it. And like my thumb was just tired. Yeah. And it's like that's not really a skill. <laughs> like there's yeah. not really value to doing that the right way, you know? Yeah. Um, real quick, Mario Party has taught me otherwise that mashing buttons is a skill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not a skill in Spider Man, I guess. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> But like, yeah, I mean, that's a different scenario where like Mario Party, that's like you're competing against other people to see who can mash the button the fastest. Spider-Man yeah, is just like a quick time event. Arbitrary amount, yeah. yeah. yeah this is the amount you should be weird. able to mash. Yeah, like why does that matter? Yeah. Would it would it make Sketch it better for you guys if the mashing, if you mashed it faster and it stopped the car faster? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would make a difference. It'd be a little better, still. yeah. <laughs> a little Good better, yeah. <laughs> um, another option that I think every game should basically have is controller remapping. You can change the buttons. I remember that being a thing in Cuphead. The default controls were, like, the worst. 
<laughs> and I hit, was having such a hard time playing that game the first time I played it because like, the buttons just didn't make sense in my brain. But then you just change them, and then it's fine, you know. I'm pretty sure both Nintendo Switch and PS5 now have, like, system-level remapping, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, I even think if... Steam also has it. Yeah, yeah, even if the game itself doesn't yeah. allow it, you can do it. But then you don't get the right prompts in the game. Yeah, I think... Which I mean, can that's be super a, annoying. Yeah, game developers, I don't think they should use that as, like, a crutch, you know? Um, so, do you guys think that... Sometimes game designers don't think about bu- button mapping because I I kind of feel like a lot of times game designers are designing the button mapping after playing it for way more hours than most people are going to play it, and so I've I don't think I've ever changed my button mapping. You didn't in, in a game? No. I thought Cuphead was just the worst. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice, and so I think, what was it? Depends on what X. I was playing on Xbox controller, but yeah, that was shoot. Uh huh. And then I was like, now I gotta hold that button down, and then push the jump button with my thumb at the same time, like the same. I'm doing both actions with my thumb, and I didn't like that, so I remapped mm-hmm. the shoot to trigger, so I could just hold the trigger down the whole time. Was it similar to how in Mario you have to hold the run button and press the jump button at the same time? But like that, for some reason, that felt that feels fine to me. Okay. Because <laughs> those yeah, are like the and... same action to me. It's like both movement. But in Cuphead, like one was shoot and the other one was movement. And for some reason, my brain couldn't do the two of them together. Mm. And Cuphead was just also a lot more like intense where I had to like do it perfectly at the right time. I don't yeah. know. For some reason in Cuphead, it just did not click, and I had to change a lot of it. And I do think that's why it's good to add features like this. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like if I play any game long enough, I get used to what the controllers want me to do. Yeah. But, I mean, again, that's just me. A normal man. Yeah, but for me... It's. It doesn't seem like it should be that hard to just okay. let you yeah. assign any button to any action. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I say that like there could be complications, but it the should be as as to. open as possible, um, rather than just here's what it has to be. Just because it doesn't seem like a a huge extra thing to add. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, don't I think it's one that really any game could benefit from. It's one that even Slay the Spire, which is just like you just you're picking cards and choosing them, you know. Um, I wished for so long because I wanted to play it while I was eating lunch, so I wanted to play with my right hand, but then I couldn't choose my cards because I needed my left hand on the left joystick to do that. So that kind of bummed me out. And then I finally realized, like, that's like after I'd be in it, that you can actually, uh, there was an option to allow you to choose things, like move the cursor with the right joystick as well. And that would have solved all my problems. <laughs> but even, in, yeah, even Slay the Spire, where it's not like it's an intense, like, time-sensitive action you're doing, you know, was helpful too. This just makes me think of something else too. Even Picross. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, you're good. Where uh, playing It Takes Two with Charlotte is... Charlotte has a hard time figuring out the camera a lot of the times. Oh, yeah. And I kind of attribute it as something like if you don't play a lot of games, that is something that's hard to get used to. But Charlotte is also left handed. And I wonder if that has something to do with it, maybe, because when I think of it, like. My right, I'm right handed, so my right hand is pressing buttons and moving the camera. But when I think about doing that with my left hand, it seems a little more like I wouldn't have the same response time. I don't know. I'm left-handed. And oh, you I'm, are? I've yeah. just learned it. Okay. I think it's just a matter of, of learning. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's why I tried to play games with my wife as well, and she's just so not used to move character move camera yeah that it like she's never even really tried again because that was so off-putting yeah yeah that seems like pretty... luckily it takes two has like very interesting visuals so we'll get into a world and i think charlotte responds to like the cool worlds that it's similar to my experience with Horizon Zero Dawn, where like there was enough keeping me going to want to beat it, even though initially I had thoughts that made me seem like I didn't like it. I guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Anyway. I have one more question. I have no segue to it, so I'm just going to ask it. Um, multiplayer games, online multiplayer specifically. How do you guys think those games can be improved in terms of accessibility? Um, I want to use League of Legends as an example. Turn off chat. Turn off chat is a big <laughs> one. Just leave it off. Don't ever turn it back on. That should be off by default. Um, uninstall League of Legends. Uninstall is the next step. <laughs> Throw computer in trash can is the last step. No. Um, yeah, because League of Legends is kind of interesting to me because I've I started playing it. Oh, has it been eleven years now? I think it has been eleven years ago. That's weird. Um, it's wild that that game's still going on for so long. Anyway. That's when I started playing it. And I was playing it with my brother who already knew, learned how to play it. So he kind of taught me. Um, but like, how would you ever get into League of Legends without having someone there to teach you? You know? Um, yeah, it would be like learning a language without... <laughs> instruction like i mean if you don't have a person you have youtube right yeah but if you didn't have youtube yeah you'd you'd be lost because <laughs> you've done the tutorial right paul yeah for sure did you think it was helpful at all besides like i mean to move your character to like 
to participate in the game, it's fine. To win the game, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, I guess like I don't know. That's that's. This is a really really hard question because it's like it's meant to be competitive. Mm-hmm. And I guess the solution in sports is different divisions for people of different abilities. But they have that in League of Legends, right? Yes. But at the same but... time, like in sports, you kind of learn all the rules <sighs> and then you play kind of a thing, you know? <laughs> but, but like, I would argue that a game that does this well is Rocket League. Where you learn the basics and then you start ranking online and they put you in a rank where you're kind of playing with people who don't know how to fly or like what the proper like goalie techniques are or like how to work with your team. Like, and I how feel do like you learn how to do those proper technique things. Like I don't know how to play goalie in Rocket League. <laughs> I've played a fair amount of it. And I don't I guess know it... if it's better to like sit in the goal and wait for it to come or like come in from the side and try to block it. Like I don't know which is better, you know? Yeah, and it I think it does get harder in that sense where for me, and I'm not like amazing at Rocket League or anything, but for me, I feel like at the level I've gotten to, I can sort of adapt that if someone's not as good at playing goalie, I can go to the goal mm-hmm. and kind of fill my role there. But if someone is good at goalie, I can kind of play a different role. But it just like and it's not fair because I I mostly only play that game with friends. And so maybe that did have add a lot to my experience of like learning more stuff but i feel like it did just come kind of naturally and i felt like the ranking system is what fixed that where i felt like i was at a point where i did i could learn enough to get better but i couldn't like i wasn't like necessarily i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this but maybe i made my point (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i guess to go back to my earlier metaphor like multiplayer games are clearly just skill yeah so i give them more leeway because it's like yeah obviously this is something you're going to learn over time and get better and better at and 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 that is the game (laughs) like that is the experience um accessibility within that is interesting and I like to go back to sports like there's there are things like wheelchair basketball and the Paralympics where it's like you're not expected to ever be at the same level as someone with with all their capabilities um I don't know like I guess I don't know if video games should do that or if they can just adjust to allow people to all play at the same level. That, that's a really interesting question mm-hmm. I that I just don't know how to answer. Um, but 
just in terms of the difficulty and like the learning of the game, I I give a a much bigger pass to multiplayer games because it is so clearly meant to be a skill. And when learning a skill, there's all kinds of little details that you're meant to learn over time. Yeah. And and all the all those expectations come more easily. Uh, whereas like in an RPG where there's in-game stats that gets more muddied because you don't know if you need to learn something or if your character needs to learn something. And I guess that does happen in multiplayer games too, where it's like like there was the big controversy in Pokemon Unite where people could just pay to upgrade their items faster. And so that compromised the idea of everyone here. It's just the best skill wins. And that's, you know, pay to win. That's the accusation. That's the the cardinal sin of multiplayer games because it is supposed to be skill above all. Um, But, yeah, I guess. Things like League of Legends, it's it's just more clear from the get-go. This is a highly competitive thing, and any highly competitive thing is competitive for a reason. And that reason often has to do with there's a lot to learn. So there's all these expectations that come much more readily to a multiplayer game than to a single-player game that is bragging about its story as much as it is about its gameplay. Okay, counterpoint, though. Um, so now that I'm thinking about it, is League of Legends, like, you basically need a coach. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, like, the tutorials, I feel like, just don't do justice and then it's like okay now play play against some bots and like the bots do not play anything like human players you know so it almost feels like a different game yeah Um, i mean it's the same for (laughs) fighting games where it's like you're just you're not gonna really get it i mean it's the same for pokemon (laughs) i don't know because like even in smash i feel like i can hold my own against computers for i mean i almost almost exclusively play against the computers but every once in a while i'll play against other humans you know whether it be online or in person or whatever and i can still hold my own like yeah i i would even say that you're very good oh thanks (laughs) thanks yeah but like again the league of legends tutorial you can participate in the game yeah. You you can't win the game. And I guess the argument for like Elden Ring is it doesn't even feel like you can participate. <laughs> it, <laughs> like failing is participation in Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, yeah, and that's I guess just not clear. I don't know. It it just feels different. I guess It's like if you learn basketball for the first time, do you do you get mad at the designer of basketball because you didn't win <laughs> too high <laughs> yeah like <laughs> i guess it's the same idea where like if you watch like a high school even like a high school game compared to like an nba game they've just been playing for a lot longer they know how things work better like their their basketball iq as they call it is much higher yeah you know but i guess to continue with this metaphor you would get mad in basketball if you grab the ball and take three steps and they're like that's traveling and you're like that's what no one told me that and yeah, i'm playing you know. the game yeah and then they're like too bad give me the ball to turn over yeah and i guess there is kind of the equivalent of that in elder ring not elder ring in league of legends 
but it's more like the unspoken rules of the community. Like yeah, you I'll... can't like break the rules because the game enforces the rules, but you can take the wrong character to the wrong lane and have the community jump down your throat. And the tutorial is not going to teach you that. Yeah. It's not going to teach you. Yeah. What's a good jungler. Yeah. But again, like to continue with the metaphor that that goes in basketball too. It's like in basketball, you'll get yelled at. It's like, you're four feet tall. Why are you in the middle? You know, you should not play <laughs> that position. And that's just stuff that you have to learn over time. Uh, and it's frustrating in every case. So, yeah, yeah, having a good teacher does matter. And I guess League of Legends mostly depends on the community to be the teachers. And I, it's hard that's to say good. if that's... Yeah, like... Because the other uh, problem is, like, if you're playing in-game... I actually did... When was this? A couple years ago now. Uh, playing with some friends. And Wes was one of them. And Brett. Anyway. Um, and Nick, too. Anyway. I was playing with them and it was against bots, but like so everyone but me. I'm pretty sure I invited you. You were like, no, I don't I want to install that game. <laughs> um, but like, it was so hard to like to explain what they should be doing while playing with them because I had to pay attention to what I was doing, even though it was bots, and also pay attention to what they were doing and try to coach them. You know. And it was, it was just, it's impossible. You can't do it. If I were to teach someone how to play league, I'd have to like just sit there with them and watch them play and be like, this is what you should do. And in this scenario, this is the best idea, to, like best thing to do. So, and that has been, yeah. that's been my problem with a lot of like MOBAs or like hero shooters and stuff where it's like, when do I have time to learn the game while not playing the game. Like, I have so precious time available to play the game that I don't want to take time outside of the game to learn. And, yeah, I don't I don't have a good answer for that either, but that has been a personal frustration of mine where it's like, no, I just want to play. Um, because, like, I don't know. I guess to go a different direction with a metaphor board games have the expectation of we're not even going to start until I've explained this to you for 20 plus minutes. Yeah. And I don't know, in video games, that feels more weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess in video games, it's do the tutorial and then join my party. Yeah. Well, going even farther with board games, it's not only explain the rules for 20 minutes, it's explain the rules and then we play one round so we all get what's happening yeah. so we can play another round in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, and that is similar to what you have. Yeah. yeah, or you play with someone who already knows how to play that board game and they explain it to you. And then as yeah, you're playing, sure. you can be explaining things as you go. Yeah. Then when you lose at the end, you realize, okay, we got to play one more time. Yep. That still <laughs> because happens. now I get it. Because now you get it, yeah. Well, I was going to... The other thing i was going to point out um in terms of like league of legends and how hard it is just to learn in general another game that i've always tried to play like i've i've bought the is uh civilization i got the fifth mm -hmm. one on my computer i tried uh -huh. to play it and in like an hour i'm like i don't know what's happening <laughs> like <laughs> i have no idea what's going on and then 
the sixth one is that the newest one the latest one yeah um, uh-huh. was on sale on switch for like 10 bucks i was like okay this time i'm going to figure it out and then there's like oh I, was, I thought oh there's a tutorial and everything and i still don't know what's happening and i still don't know what <laughs> i should be doing at all like that's the one problem... of those games i'm like i just can't figure it out and i don't have the time to like learn it i guess yeah the problem with that one is time because if you've played an hour of civilization you are not going to understand anything because even if you do understand an hour is not enough time to do anything <laughs> yeah that's the other thing too is i kept feel like i was just moving my troops or whatever it's like one space at a time <laughs> Like, I think yeah. I should be going this way. And then I was just thinking, I hope this is the way I should go, because I don't know. And then barbarians were coming, and then I was like, how do I get more people to defend my city? And yeah. yeah. I just kept it bumping into problems that I didn't know how to solve, but I knew needed to be solved. And that was frustrating. Yeah. And I do think the best solution for a lot of these is, like, play with someone you know. Because Civilization was one where I, like, Wes, I think, convinced me to buy it, and we played. Or maybe it was my friend Austin, but... um, And it was fun, like, learning and, like, figuring it out with someone else. Or, like, I feel like... uh, That's that's kind of the point I wanted to, to make, is I feel like the two rules with accessibility slash like difficulty stuff is i think the game should make it clear somehow what the difficulty or learning curve is uh and i don't know how they would do that but if they could do it before someone is willing to pay money for it and then the second thing is um i just forgot the second thing but it was my more important point (laughs) that related to what we were just talking about um but yeah making the intention clear of what the game is i think is important and oh yeah and i think the desire of the player is the other thing like if you i think speaking to the audience of these games helps in like creating a more like desirable circumstance of oh this is something i do want to pour time into um and i don't know i think if you have the money and are able to try things you might be able to figure that out a little easier but i think if the i don't know i don't know how you would really say you're going to want to play more of this game. I think that's where the making the intentions clear. Yeah. It comes into play more. But I think if you like with League of Legends, I'm not willing to sit down and learn how to play because I know it's going to take a lot of time. And I, I don't know. It's similar to why I really want to play Elden Ring, but I'm not going to buy it anytime soon because if I buy it, I need like more than 10 hours to go into it. And so I don't know, knowing your personal expectations and the game making its expectations known, I think is the most helpful thing in these situations. Mm-hmm. 
but you should buy Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will at some point, but I, I just don't know if I have the time now. That's fair. Yeah, I'm thinking more about board games, and there's I think there's some things video games could learn from board games around this topic in particular. Because nowadays, any board game that you pick up is going to have some icons on it that very quickly tell you how long does this game take to play? What is the expected age range of the players? And what is the player count that can play it? And it's not a direct one-to-one, like those things don't mean anything in a lot of video games, but it would be cool if there was a more universal, uh, like there's a concept in board games of weight, like, or complexity. So like when someone says this is a medium weight game, they mean that like it, it will probably take 20 to 30 minutes to teach. Whereas a light game or a um, filler game, like there's terms to tell you how easy is it going to be to understand this game or to teach this game. And, and video games are still stuck in like this game has easy, medium and hard or story, yada, yada, whatever they are. But it would be nice if video games were developing some more like vocabulary like board games have to describe like the learning curve or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any good ideas right now of what those could be, but I'm realizing that's what I want. I want on the side of the box, quote unquote, or on the on the product page, I would love a more consistent just give me an idea of of what I'm in for with this game. Um, Maybe for, for time, there's how long to beat. Yeah. Um, that you can go and look up the average time of how long it takes to beat games and different things, but maybe there needs to be something similar that kind of ranks games on difficulties or like find some sort of system to say like, this is, and I guess that's what reviews are. Yeah, but it'd be nice if, like, if, like, the industry had some, like, you know, something similar, like, when I'm looking at a PlayStation Store page or a Steam page, if there was some quick reference things like that, that were at least semi-standardized, you know, not, like, enforced, but, like, people could could slap some terms on their own descriptions. Low stakes. Yeah. Did you say friction? Yeah, low friction. I've heard that tossed yeah, around. That's actually an so interesting like, like term. Animal Crossing yeah. is low friction because you can just yeah sit down and play it. You don't have to like you can watch a show or listen to a podcast while you play it. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah, stuff like that is what I'm looking for. Where it's like communicate to me what your expectation from me is to interact with this game. <laughs> and like I, I guess casual idea. casual is another term, but casual is not standardized i've seen things called casual that are like 
pretty mind consuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so I don't know. I think they're like we just need to do better at building vocabulary, whatever that vocabulary is. Friction, I'm actually really attaching to that word is because like yeah, souls is thrown around. So that's it's very high friction. Like you're gonna have to learn the skill. You're gonna put in work. And it's not telling me how long the game is. It's telling me what the expectation is for the player. Whereas, like, Horizon Forbidden West is a pretty low-friction game. Like, you'll just, like, like, Sifu, for some people, could be a 30-hour game. But that's because they could be really struggling with it. Whereas Horizon Forbidden West could be a 30-hour game because you're plowing through the content and dying like under 10 times through your entire playthrough um so just total hours is not a good it's not a perfect indicator although i look at how long to beat all the time because it is helpful it's a helpful indicator yeah but it doesn't yeah. tell you what you're going to be doing or your experience that you'll be having for those hours yeah yeah so we just i think we just need more terms to communicate these things and i don't have great recommendations on that but well, we could look to board games for inspiration we could also ask our listeners to email us at chance podcast at gmail.com great idea for their ideas actually we didn't bring up one point for people just to get good <laughs> and get good. good yes is this a get good game <laughs> do you think like do you think some people like think they've solved the problem by commenting that <laughs> yeah. well I, I i don't think i think when people say that they're saying there is no problem oh, okay. you're, like you're, you're just, just good enough. bad yeah yeah so I it is it started as like a legitimate like <laughs> Like back in the day, it was like, oh, if you're having trouble with this boss, you can try this and this and this and get good. It kind of was like a joke, but like encouragement <laughs> joke. And now it's just obnoxious. But anyway, seriously, though, email us. I'm curious <laughs> to see what people would use, what kind of labels or whatever they'd put in video games like that. Yeah. I haven't actually checked the email for a while. Has anyone emailed us recently? No. I guess the but the most the people that place would, to be a... would be yeah the Discord, which there'll be a link in the show notes to join our Discord. It's only active for a week because we don't know how to do it any more efficiently. So. <laughs> if you miss out if... this week, check back next week on the next episode, and there'll be a new link. <laughs> Oh, they only. And well, if you know how to do that better, join the Discord and tell us. Yeah, seriously, because <laughs> yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, any last remaining thoughts? I just want to plug Quincy Peach Baskets, inventor of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Another chance time sponsor. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Quincy. <laughs> well, thanks for coming to see James. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for coming to see James. Get good. <laughs>